Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. In the protocols and principles of power in the anointing. And I want us to look, we're going to share with you today some of the principles of power that help us understand why we are placing the anointing in its protocol of power and why we are doing this. And so the very first principle of power, when we're understanding the protocols of power, is that placing the anointing in its protocol of power will revive a dormant destiny. I don't know if anybody here has a dormant destiny. I don't know if anybody here needs a destiny reactivated or you need your purpose to be set on fire for God again or maybe your destiny has been placed on hold or maybe something is not happening that you wanted that you were believing God for it to happen. The very first principle of power when we're talking about the protocols of power, the very first principle of power is placing the anointing in its protocol of power. Say it with me, protocol of power. That means to place it in precedence. Say it with me. That means to place it in precedence. That means we don't put the ark as a second thought. We don't put the ark in a place in the back. We put the ark in the forefront. When the children of Israel were ready to leave the desert and cross over to the promised land, there had to be a spiritual shift. I'm going somewhere with this. There had to be a spiritual shift. As long as the ark was in the middle of the camp, they could wander in the wilderness as long as 40 years. They could have stayed wandering in the wilderness because all the days of Moses, when they wandered in the wilderness, the ark was in the center of the camp. It was not in the forefront of the camp. God gave commandment that the ark be positioned in the center of the camp. Why? Because they were not in a real holy place. They were not in the holy of holies. They were not in Kadesh Barnea yet. They were not yet uh, crossing over the Jordan to the promised land. They were just in the wilderness. Hello, somebody. Touch your neighbor and say, if you're wandering in the wilderness, the way to get out is reposition the ark. You know, let me tell you this. You don't need a prophet to prophesy to you when you're coming out of the wilderness. The moment you start positioning the ark in its place of priority, you can be guaranteed your wilderness experience is about to come to an end. But Joshua chapter 3, and I want you to look at it. It's not in my notes, but the Holy Ghost says, look. In Joshua chapter 3, I want you to see it. They hadn't crossed over yet. Touch your neighbor and say, God's going to do a new thing, a shift in atmosphere. A shift in atmosphere doesn't happen 
externally. It happens internally. You're going to sense. You can't do things the way you used to do them before. The anointing has to have a primary priority in your life. You have to start making your life centered around the anointing. Not fitting the anointing in and just whenever you feel like it and just considering that the anointing will just be there among many other things and eeny, meeny, miny, mo. let's see if today we're going to use the anointing or not. That there is no question. There's no compromise. Did you know the presence of God and the call of God and handling the ark with reverence and respect and handling the anointing is the most important thing in your life. And God gave commandment to the children of Israel. And he said, watch this, of Joshua chapter 3. The Bible says, and it came to pass, verse 2, after three days that the officers went through the host. Verse 3, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Now what you need to understand is the ark was always in the center and the ark was always carried by only the priests, uh, only the Levites. Remember, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Now there's a shift, and he says, when you see the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, it's going to go ahead of you. You're going to follow it. You never followed the ark to this point. But now, if you're going to get out of this wilderness, the only way you're going to get out of this wilderness is you've got to follow the ark where it's going and submit yourself to the authority of the anointing. Submit yourself under the humility that you will not allow the anointing to be tampered with, interfered with, or put in a place of commonality, that it is a above all things in your life, and it's leading you out of the wilderness into the promised land. And they commanded the people, saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, it shall remove, it sh and bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Put your hands up right now and say, Holy Spirit, let me move out of my place, out of my schedule, out of my mediocrity, out of my, out of my uh, compromise, and teach me how to go after the ark. Teach me how to follow it. Teach me how to submit to the holy of holies, to the presence of God, to the anointing. Teach me the protocols of power. Come on, somebody. Give God the praise and give him the glory. Now watch this. Verse 4, there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits. Watch this. The last line, come not near unto it. There has to be reverence and respect. You can't just approach it like you're approaching a glass of water. Come not near unto it that you may know the way 
which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. It's a whole new thing. You're shifting out. You haven't passed this way. Well, they've seen the wilderness for 38 years. They were in the wilderness 40 years, but for 38 years, they went around the same mountain when the ark was in the middle and the ark was not in the forefront. Now God is saying, you're going to take the ark out of the middle of the camp. You're going to put the ark in the forefront. You haven't passed this way heretofore because now you're going to see things you never saw before and you're going to break out of this box. You're going into a new place and there's no way you can cross over into the possession of promises. You cannot leave the wilderness and cross over into Jordan till you understand the protocol of power by putting the ark in the forefront. And Joshua said unto the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass before the people. And they took up, they lifted it up, not saw the ark. And they went before the people. So for the first time in Israel's history, for the very first time since the days in the wilderness, The ark is going to be lifted up. It's going to go in the forefront. It's coming out of just being in the center and just being something that people just look at. Now it is becoming the forefront and the focus, and they're going to have to follow after it. They're going to have to reverence it and distance themselves from it, but look at it and focus on it and know that you cannot get to the promised land unless the ark is lifted up. Touch your neighbor and say, I can't get into the promised land unless I learn how to lift up the ark. Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, I can't cross over and I can't get to my promised land until I learn how to lift up the ark, bring it to its place of power, bring it into its place of position, bring it into that place of precedence. Somebody ought to give God the praise. And so the scripture tells us that the Ark of the Covenant, they had to pass by it. They had to follow it. And as long as the Ark was in the forefront, they were able to cross over. Now, what we need to understand is crossing the Jordan was not like crossing the Red Sea. You could cross the Jordan. Some places were very shallow. They didn't need the waters parted. But God said, The whole idea is not for the waters to part, it's to pass by the ark and reposition the ark because where you're going, you cannot understand where you're going. Everything depends upon your comprehension of what the ark is and how the power of God moves. In 2 Samuel, going back to it, when we begin to understand that this first protocol of power and this first principle of power is by placing the anointing in its protocol of power, it will revive a dormant destiny 
We need to see this very clearly because the writer shows us this in 2 Samuel chapter 6. The author's intent is to define the difference between the time when the ark was hidden away for 20 years in Baal, Judah, and the time it was brought up by David to its place of precedence and power. Go with me, please, not only to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1, but I want you to see 1 Chronicles 13, which records the same thing that we're reading in 2 Samuel 6. Go with me to 1 Chronicles 13, verse 6. The Bible says in verse 6, And David and all of Israel went to Baal, that is in Kiriat Yerim, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up the ark of God that dwelleth between the cherubim. So when the ark was brought up from Kiriat Yerim, Kiriat Yerim, also known as Baal, uh, Baala of Judah, it is a prophetic prefiguring of how a destiny reaches a supernatural summit through purpose and power because of the anointing on a life. We see here in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, verse 6, it says he went up with all of Israel to Bala, that is Kiriat Jiriam, which belongeth to Judah, to bring up thence the ark of the Lord. Now, what you need to understand is the ark has been in that place in Kiriat Yiriam, in the little village of Bala, for over 20 years. 20 years of obscurity. 20 years the ark was in a place that God never created it to, wanted it to be. For 20 years it was in a place of absolute obscurity. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, following the context, the Bible says, And the men of kiriath Yiriam came, and they fetched the ark of the Lord, and they brought it into the house of Abdinabab. Verse 2, And it came to pass, while the ark abode at kiriath Yiriam, the time was long, 20 years, and the house of Israel lamented, after the Lord. So we see that after the destruction of Shiloh, when the ark was taken into exile by the Philistines for seven months, when it was brought back into the land of Israel, rather than all of the people of Israel rejoicing, the ark is back. Let us praise God. Let's go out and meet the ark. Let's give God the praise. Let's pro provide a place for the ark. They did not respect the ark when it came back from the land of the Philistines. And in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2, the scripture tells us that it was there a long time. And that can be compared in context to a destiny that's gone dormant, something that's just existing, not really being developed.
developed with purpose and power and going anywhere. There are some of us in this very room today. We've been asking God, God, when is our destiny ever going to go forward? Because we feel like our destiny is like the ark. It's hidden away in Kiriat-Yerim, and we don't have those opportunities that we've been asking God to give us. We don't understand why every door is shut and why it seems like we're in a place of darkness and we can't get out of it, and we feel like we're bound up and going nowhere because it's like the ark that's been hidden away at Kiriat-Yerim. It's like a dormant destiny. But today I'm going to show you how to get your destiny out of that place that's all dormant. Somebody ought to give God the praise. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says the time was long. This means no man sought after it. No man wanted to take it and put it in its place of precedence and power during the days of Saul. First Chronicles chapter 13, look at the word in verse 3, when David was bringing up the ark, the Bible says, David said, let us bring the ark of God again to us, for we inquired not at it all the days of Saul. In a literal sense of scripture, that literally means we did not derosh it. The word derosh means to investigate. We did not derosh it all the days it was in the land of Saul. It was, it was in the, uh, the land of Kiriat-Iriam all the days of Saul. What does it mean to derosh? Derosh means to seek after something, to investigate it, to go out of your way, to see what it means and what's going on. This means no one in the whole land of Israel ever made an investigation to find out what was going on with the ark, that the ark was hidden away. Men didn't seek after it. Men didn't inquire of the Lord. There was no derosh made. It was like a dormant destiny. It was just there. And there are some of us that have received the anointing in our life. We received the baptism of the Spirit, and the Spirit of God has moved into the back bedroom. He has moved into a place of obscurity. We do not consider what he says the most important thing. We don't listen to him. We don't subordinate ourselves to him. We don't place the anointing and the power and the presence of God as a precedence in our lives. Can I get a witness? What had happened is that again we're going with composition versus chronicle. A dormant destiny, if we look at this thing in a geographical sense, Kiriat-Yerim was right on the borderline of Judah and the land of the Philistines. And we begin to understand Israel's attitude toward the Philistines is a very important critical component in why they didn't go up. Okay? They didn't go up because if you look at the whole entire spectrum, from the days of Samson to the days of David and understand Israel's attitude toward the Philistines and the ark being on the borderline of Philistine territory, nobody went up because nobody wanted any confrontation with the Philistines. 
And sometimes we don't go up because we don't want to go out of our way and we don't want to go through any spiritual warfare. We don't want to go through any persecution. We don't want to go out of our way in any way, shape, or form to go and get the ark. But I'm here today to tell you that there's a price to pay to the anointing. You've got to go out of your way and you've got to seek it. It's not just going to come to you. You've got to make a dedosh and an investigation and you've got to lift it up to its highest pinnacle of purpose. Scripture begins the introduction of when the ark was taken into exile. And notice the Bible doesn't tell us about anything else that the Philistines did except they slew 30,000 footmen of Israel. But we don't get the details on any of the other military maneuvers. We don't get the details on anything around the destruction of Shiloh, anything around the nation's economy, around... What, what happened in the sense of its, its economy, its military might, nothing. Scripture doesn't tell us anything except the ark was taken. Why? Because the Philistines were after the ark. That's all they wanted was the ark. You need to know that there's an assignment, that the devil doesn't just want everything, he wants the ark. Touch your neighbor and say, the devil wants the ark in my life and I'm not going to give him the ark. And what does he want to do with the ark when he comes in and gets it? The ark is your anointing. The ark is your calling. The ark is your ministry with the spirit. Your ark is your prayer life. The ark is your walk with God. The ark is your walk with the spirit. The ark is your spirit is the spiritual realm that you dwell in. And the enemy, the Philistines, want to come and take the ark into exile. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 4 that the Philistines fought against Israel and Israel was slain and not in the spirit. Israel was slain, 30,000 footmen. This is the very first time, the very first time Besides AI, AI, they recovered it. The very first time Israel went to war and lost. When we read in the Judges about the Canaanites oppressing, or we read about the Philistines oppressing, there were no battles. Every battle Israel ever went into, Israel won. Every battle that Israel ever fought, Israel won. Every time a nation came and waged war with Israel, Israel won. This is the first time in 400 years since the days of Joshua that they lost a battle. Because the mentality of the entire nation, the, entire, the mentality of the nation was don't stir up the Philistines. Whenever Philistine domination took place, it did not occur because of battle. It occurred 
because of the lack of organization and the lack of organized resistance against the Philistines. Remember why they turned, the people of Judah turned Samson over to the Philistines. Because Samson was trying to build up an incident against the Philistines. And they said, don't you know that the Philistines reign over us? They liked it. They were content with their compromise. Touch your neighbor and say, pray, I'm never content with my compromise. So therefore, the ark was taken because the ark was, it meant nothing to them. The ark was just a national emblem. The ark did not have its position and its power, so it was taken. So the only way to get a destiny out of the place like the ark that was hidden away in Kiriat Urim for 20 years is you've got to go up, you've got to, to offer your life as a living sacrifice, you've got to go in there and get the ark out and bring it back. Somebody ought to say, I'm going to get the ark today. The second protocol of power that we see demonstrated here is that the anointing or put, placing, putting the anointing in its position of power will cause a tremendous effect to happen. For all these years, almost 100 years, the Philistines dominated over Israel. But the moment the ark was in its position of power, when David set the place for it, immediately the text interrupts telling us what David was doing on how David set it up to show us that David went into battle with the Philistines and literally no longer he broke the stronghold and the yoke of Philistine domination off of Israel the moment the ark was in its place. Is there a spirit dominating your life? Is there a spirit dominating your mind? Is there a spirit dominating your finances or your children or your family? Is there a spirit that has been holding you back? Today we need to know that that second principle of power, when we're speaking of the protocols of power, hallelujah, that God will cause things that you've tolerated to now become obliterated because of the anointing and the protocols of power in your life. Things you've once tolerated that have now become obliterated through the power of protocol and the anointing means that you're going to have dominion over some areas in your life like the Philistine dominion over Israel that David immediately broke the moment the ark was in its place of precedence and power. Can I get a witness? Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, 
and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.